in world history. Jesus is now leaving. He tells them in John 13, I'm just here for a little while longer. I want you to put yourself in the, the sandals of the apostles. In their mind, they must be thinking, it's over. What are we going to do now? God's son is going away. And he leaves us with nothing but to be ruled by Romans. Jesus knew how they felt. Do you remember? I know you remember the story of Nicodemus in John 3. Well, in John 2 at the end, where it says, Jesus did not entrust himself to the crowds because he knew what was in the heart of people. Same thing applies here. He knew how his disciples felt at the news of him leaving. In John 16, Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You better believe it has filled their hearts. Wouldn't it fill, fill your hearts? But remember, they don't understand really exactly what's going on. They thought this is just the end. Why in the world would you even come to us if you're going to leave before the job is done? Now, you don't get a He was probably a zealot who wanted to overthrow the Romans, to attack them. You know, the zealots, they carried a special little knife underneath their, uh, their garments. And Simon was a zealot. Now, working with Jesus side by side for three years, you can see where he never acted upon that because Jesus taught them a much better way. But think how excited he would have been if he thought the goal was to overthrow the Romans and now the one that God sent to help us do it, look at the things he can do. He calmed a storm by just speaking to it? He raised Lazarus? Overthrowing the Romans is a walk in the park. He's probably really excited. Then Jesus says, well, I'm leaving. Wait, wait. And you know this is still on their mind in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus is getting ready to rise and they say, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still looking for it. They don't understand yet. But Jesus consoles them with two major ideas. One of them is if he didn't leave, he couldn't send them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was going to lead them into all truth. John 16, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now those who consider themselves progressive thinkers may think that truth is something that's personal, individual, and it's going to be different for you than it's going to be for me. What's true for you? Okay, but that's not binding on me. But Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
Now, for you action movie stars, that sounds like a Steven Seagal line, right? You get to the Father, you've got to come through me. Well, that's not what he's saying. It's not a threat. He's not Clint Eastwood. But he's saying, you have to go through me and what I am doing for you in order to get to the Father. The truths that matter are eternal and objective and unassailable. Though I actually invite you to assail them. There's another word I'm not sure is actually a word. But I don't want you to go through life saying, well, it was taught at the church this and that, and therefore I shouldn't ask questions. You should ask questions. I don't want you to leave your salvation in the hands of a guy like me. I want you to go to the source. I want you to ask the questions. It's worth doing. You'll come out better off as a result. But the truth itself can stand up. It's a big boy. It can stand up to any questions you've got to ask. One major truth, God is holy and we're not. God doesn't sin and he doesn't even try to get you to sin, Scripture saying. That's not what he's here for. I know sometimes you'll get the impression, Lord, why did you put such and such in front of me? And then this verse pops back in your head. God is not tempted by evil, neither does he tempt anyone. He isn't going to try to get you to sin. He paid the price for the sins that you do commit. God is holy. Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, starts by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All my memory work is King James, even though I've been reading other versions for 30 years. The memory work still goes back. Holy is your name. But you and I, we aren't holy. Now you're probably a pretty good person. I would say if you compared yourself to me, you'd be a pretty good person. Holy, that's a big word, but pretty good, I can go with that. And if you compared yourself to lots of other people, Son of Sam, Hitler, Pol Pot, a few other historically bad people, you could say, yeah, I'm pretty good in comparison to these guys. But when do you look at the Father, and his son and his spirit, you understand you are not holy. You've done something wrong, and it may be what people call white lies or small sins. But the truth is, God cannot allow us to stay in his house because we're sinful, unless we're washed first by his son. He cast out anyone who sinned. Angels, Satan himself, he cast them out. God is eternal, is another truth. And he's made you and I to be eternal as well. And he wants us to be with him eternally. And his son is the only way to God. No one comes to the Father but through me, John 14 and verse 6. The second major truth that Jesus told them to ease their anxiety over the fact that he was leaving is this. In my father's house are many rooms. Now your version may say many mansions, uh, dwelling places, something along that line. Did you get the idea that it's big enough? If it wasn't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? What kind of evil trick would that have been for me to say, oh, I'm going to prepare a place, but there's no room for you? Of course not. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. 
that where I am, you may be also. There is room for you. In this life, you're going to find all kinds of places where there doesn't seem to be room for you. Maybe it's because you don't have the income to fit in there. I couldn't go down and buy a house in the, the governor's club. I think that's what it's called. They do let us drive by, but they don't let us in. I couldn't go to Augusta, wherever the name of that club where the masters are playing. I couldn't go there and place membership. I haven't got the money to do it. There are places where we don't fit. And maybe, sadly, for some people, they feel like this is one of those places. I don't mean this Wednesday Avenue, but just churches in general. They may feel that because I'm just too simple to go in there with those people. I just don't fit. Listen to them. They sing. They do good works. They do all of these things. Those are good folks. I just don't fit in there. Well, I want you to know that Jesus left and he says there's room in his mansion for you. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever is an awful lot of folks, isn't it? As many as give themselves to him. Listen to this from Romans 6. And then I'll rattle on a little bit and be quiet. What shall we say then? Starting in verse 1 of Romans 6. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our self was crucified, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Boy, is that good news? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. There is room for you. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Along with the good news is that message that Jesus started with, repent. The house of God is not one where come as you are, and by the house of God, I don't mean the church building, I mean the body of Christ, his kingdom. It is not one where come as you are and stay as you are. He calls you in, he cleans you up, and then he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, 
but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Does this new, eternal relationship with Christ Jesus sound like something you'd like to know more about? No one here is asking you to become like us, except where you see us being like Jesus. If you ever hear a Christian say, you should be more like me, well, in what way? Because I only want to imitate in you the things that you are imitating in Christ. And if you see behavior that's not a good imitation of Christ, please forgive us for that. We are a work in progress. But we are working together as a body of Christ to learn and to do and to teach his will. And we would be overjoyed if you wanted to be part of this body, his body. If you're already convinced of this truth, you understand the grace God is offering you through Christ, and you're committed to not just a lifetime of following him, but an eternal lifetime. We'd be happy and honored to talk to you more and immerse you into Christ once we think that you're ready. And that is something worth asking to make sure that you're ready. How many people hear an invitation and they rush and they're baptized and three days later they think, hmm, nothing's changed at all. Maybe I'll just go back to where I was. We don't want that to happen, so we will talk a bit. If you are in Christ and you feel your walk hasn't been what it needs to be. I understand. Neither has mine. And this pandemic has thrown us off. It's put a curveball in there that's difficult for us to know what is it we're supposed to do. Is it right or wrong to get together? All these kinds of things we're calling into question. But if you need our prayers for that or for anything else, Please let us know as we stand and sing.